Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. My food may not be fast, but my opinions always are. Ryan Houlihan is an amazing fucking human being. you had a sexy voice so I'm like getting like very like hey it's Ryan how are you hello 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 <laughs> and you guys it's Andy's girls it's episode 284 which P.S. Ryan we need to talk offline because I have zero ideas for 300 actually AGs if you have any ideas for 300 that are close to like doing a normal episode <laughs> but just saying <laughs> AG 300, please let me know if I knew math. And listen, I thought I knew it all, but um, I would know how soon that is. And it's just going to be very, very soon. Uh, you guys, it's episode whatever. Leave me alone. And I'm so excited to have a return guest, a spiritual OG of the AG, as oh. we refer to them here on Andy's Girls. You know this person is senior gaming editor at InputMag.com. You also know them as one of my favorite people who's been helping me with some stuff on the side that we won't talk about online, but maybe I will um, in my uh, memoir one day. Welcome back to Andy's Girls, Ryan Houlihan. Hello. As always, it is a wonderful honor to be present for you and your listeners. You know what? I agree with you. It is a wonderful honor to be present for um, myself and my listeners. I do have to give a shout out to Papa Galley, also known as the Chard, the Tobes and Chard, Toby Galley and Richard Galley. Tobes, hashtag Tobes and Chard, which is something my mom has started using, um, sent me my birthday gift several weeks ago. Uh, special note to the reader's birthday is at end of March and sent me a gift, which is uh, a little surprise. It's a mug, which I hadn't used until today. Uh, one side of it has a childhood picture of me that says, what's past is prologue William Shakespeare, which is what Ryan can see right now. And then the other side, Ryan, if you can see this through the Zoom, uh, uh, my headshot from college when I was a musical theater major. And it says the best is yet to come, Robert Browning, because I don't know about you, but I love to see a photo of myself that says the best is yet to come. And so I, it's actually an incredibly sweet. Um, I will be disowned if he finds out that I was talking about it. Um, but I, I really can't stop looking at these two photos of myself, one of which I just I think it's so magical that the childhood photo says what's past is prologue and the college photo says the best is yet to come. I'm just incredibly <laughs> into it. Anyway, um, so that's what I'll be sipping from as we spill the tea. I'm going to be drinking some. Uh, Ryan, how are you? How are we doing today? How is the west side of Manhattan? It is. How is life? Lovely and even more delightful now that I get to watch you drink coffee out of a picture of yourself looking like Blossom. Um, <laughs> I literally, it's the first and last time, much like Elaine Stritch, I don't fuck with hats. And I'm wearing a striped 
nautical outfit, which I hadn't even <laughs> noticed with a corresponding hat, teeth, front teeth for days, giving you a real high energy like hand to chin moment, which I do still do quite often. You know, when you develop a certain set of skills, a la Liam Neeson and Taken, you really do utilize them for the rest of your life. Um, also, shout out to William Shakespeare. Uh, I did, as a theater major, have to take a couple classes about Shakespeare and got away with not learning anything. So shout out to shout out to Billy, Billy Dubs. One of my favorite moments was when I was getting my theater degree and in one of our theater classes where like you clearly signed up for a theater class. Someone said, Oh, William Shakespeare is just like a play. (laughs) Yeah. What did you think it was? I thought these were like musicals. (laughs) Oh no, it's not. Anyway, Romeo and Juliet were dating. <laughs> it's a rom-com. Romeo and Juliet is a rom-com. It is a romantic comedy. It's about, you know, when not to take your melatonin pill at the end of the night. You know what I'm saying? And, like, being on time for dates. It's about how teenagers are dramatic. Very similar to Euphoria. <laughs> I do have to say, there was this one person in an acting class who was, like, kind of... He was so out there that I was like, it was like a um, Andy Kaufman-esque thing, mm. but like really real, like not putting on a show style thing. And he was really odd. And I was like, oh, this is an interesting person. And, you know, I went to Mary Mount Manhattan, which is a very, very intense theater program, which I loved. I'm so glad I went there. Shout out to Mary Mount. You will never get my money because <laughs> you got a lot of my folks. So, uh, but <laughs> shout out to them. I loved, love going there genuinely. And I remember one day he like looked at our acting teacher who was from, what's the name of that fucking super famous? Oh my God, I just forgot the name. Guthrie. So like super you know, intense guy. And he looked at him and he was like, how am I supposed to play this part of, or play the scene of like walking into the room because I already know what's going to happen like as an actor. (laughs) And I, he was very good because he was so invested in stuff. But that was one of those moments where I I actually froze in my body because it's like, how do you explain to someone that you're acting like that's like it's similar to a lie but we all know you're telling it for fun like he truly was like how do i how do i play the surprise cuz i already how do you how do you say that to someone who got into like a pretty intense competitive theater program and i'm sure he got incredibly cuz he gives 100% but it's like Okay, maybe we should give less. Maybe we should give just enough to know that this isn't real. You know what I'm saying? And that man went on to found the Upright Citizens Brigade. (laughs) (laughs) And that man is Amy Poehler. And we love her here. Um, Listen, Ryan, I can think of no better time to have you on AG. We're recording this Monday morning-ish. 12 p.m. is 9 a.m. Um, PST. And, you know, while we're recording this in New York, my heart belongs to California. Um, there could be to me no better episode to record with you than the one we just watched last night. Unreal. Like, I I don't know the name of the episode, but it feels like 
fireworks in Zion <laughs> or something like shit went down. I just want to know your initial reaction to it, how you're feeling, how you're feeling about the season. Just literally 30 questions at once, as is my uh, fave thing to do. Um, I am so happy to be living in a housewife's renaissance. I am so thankful to the artists who are working behind the scenes to make this come together. Um, I am delighted. I, I It gives me hope that, you know, the future can be better and that, you know, going forward, we don't, it, things don't have to inextricably get worse. You know, we can find ways to innovate. Um, I'm also extremely darked out because uh, apparently everyone they found to be on this television show is a horrible person. <laughs> sorry, 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 everybody. We'll get into it. Um, I don't agree with anything anyone's doing or saying. And I love that. I love that for me. Um, it is such good television. It is uh, the Paley Center needs to start doing studies now. Like, uh, how do you pack? Th- I have to say, almost every single scene, I was like, banger, banger, banger. And this is after several episodes of bangers. The season's going so great. I'm just so happy that we get to be here ringside for every moment. I mean, I do have a question for you. So you have enjoyed... Because I felt a little weird about last week. It felt to me so chaotic that it was, like, very hard for me to find my place or even, like, find my footing watching. Yeah. But this week restored my faith in the reunion to come. Did you ever feel that kind of ebb and flow with Salt Lake this season or not at all? I felt a little like the last episode was leaving things out um, Mm. that I didn't fully get an explanation for i'm like why did Mm -hmm. she mention that like wait who brought what up but i Mm -hmm. i do think that that comes down to an overarching problem which the whole franchise is happening um Mm -hmm. which especially in the wake of ultimate girls trip where we broke down the fourth wall and we just said like there was never a fourth wall um and (laughs) you know to go back to a situation that clearly producers have a hand in and that they're having conversations with the women um during and then to cut them out again it just feels weird like I'm like why would we need the pretense of whatever just like tell me what happened play for play and um and like we'll get back to this vacation or whatever it just seemed like especially in the last episode it was like oh Lisa said that somebody did xyz overnight and it's like "Mm, I'm pretty sure a producer brought that up or at least a producer told Lisa to bring something up and you know I also think like Whitney has uh, been extremely dogged in her pursuit of these conversations and clearly somebody is on the sidelines being like Whitney you're gonna be our voice of reason we need you to whatever and gassing her up um and I just I don't know a a certain level of acknowledging that I think might help but I also think like that's true of other seasons and it was all it's always been something that I felt like bring down the fourth wall um but you know, this season's been so good that I, you know, it's worth noting it. To, but to me, it's a footnote. When it comes to Whitney, do you think that she thinks she's the voice of reason? Or do you think that she thinks she's like the narrator of conflict or something? I don't think she sees a distinction. I think she sees the person who is talking and telling you what's happening and then asking the right questions. And she wants to slip into the role of like, of like, uh, uh, I guess like a Bethany model. And I think that that's what she thinks she's doing. I don't agree that that's what she's doing, but um, that seems to be what I think she's going for is like, I'm going to bring it all up and I'm going to put the pieces together. And it's like, 
sometimes there are pieces to put together and other times I think you're just like rearranging things into a pile. (laughs) I mean, and then she just keeps pointing back to the pile. Like 15 minutes later, she's like, hey, remember that pile from before (laughs) of like complete shit? Can we just like toss around in that for a second? I was thinking, I was wondering um, to myself, you know, like, is she trying to LVP? And then I thought, and and regardless of the success of that, um, I was like, no, it's not that. Like, maybe she's Kyling a little bit. Maybe. Like, how Kyle was with Sutton, like, at that last, at Crystal's last party when Kyle's like, yada, yada, yada. We're not talking about anything having to do with this. Sutton, let's reference for the 30th time what you said about Erica Jane that we also <laughs> said, but because it was at a thing that you hosted, it's all on you. You know, like, yeah. I, I there's, like, a little bit of a circling back that does feel like... It feels like she wants to, uh, like, resolve plot threads. <laughs> and I'm like, we we don't need that. Is it that she feels like she wants to resolve them or she feels like she wants to, like, inspire a little kind of blow of the trumpet kind of? You know, like a little, there's like a little bit of a pop or something that she keeps wanting. She thinks she's, like, making beautiful music. And, and I maybe don't disagree it's just that I, I don't think I don't know of anyone who's really holding her accountable for being the shit stir that she is like someone needs to play the part but like I, I don't know I watched that last scene um at their uh dinner which Jen what the reasoning behind the theme is so psycho but like john and i kept calling it the cinco de drinko am i right party because that's essentially (laughs) the theme the kind of person that would say that (laughs) also you're throwing a theme to push back at someone who'd previously said racist remarks but not bringing that to the so nobody knows that that's the reason the theme is happening maybe you didn't know until you filmed your confessional months later like why why would you do that? If so if you're like, wow, it's actually really offensive that you called me a Mexican thug. That's a horrible thing to say. I'm now going to do a party filled with cultural stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> That's the it's like, are we not there's so much odd here? And also if there's a whole fucking ton of conflict going on, like at a certain point she was defending Mary, but it's like, okay, like you sh- you can do that, no problem, but also what was but we're supposed to pretend this dinner was specifically themed to push back at Mary yeah. but nobody's saying this like what what we're is happening we're not bringing it up it just it was all very confusing but again that's a certain that's a perfect example of like i'm sure the producers were like you know it would be funny and cause conflict and I I just don't need you to weigh in. Like, the the women are doing fine. They don't need... Like, the whole Cinco de Mayo element of this episode and night was not additive. It's okay. We would have gotten there on our own, I think. Yeah, and it's just... If you're going to throw that kind of dinner, just don't add the thing that it's supposed to hold Mary accountable or push back because it's just not doing that. Like, unless you say that that's the reason. Yeah, if it's never going to do that, then just cut it out of the episode. (laughs) We don't need to know. She she just threw a Cinco de Mayo party. Okay, fine. She threw a Cinco de, de Mayo party ostensibly to push back on some racially insensitive remarks her cast member said by throwing a party that as you said was like 
absurdly stereotypical and hiring in someone in order to do this who was a white woman. Yeah. Like, what? How? And made margarita tacos, whatever that means. Right. I was like, what the fuck? We didn't get enough information on the margarita taco. No. I don't. I don't understand. Does that just mean she had like a slice, a wedge of lime on the side? Like what? What's does the she, essence does she of margarita? think it's like margarita pizza? <laughs> I, I don't know. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? She's like, it's a taco tonight, guys. <laughs> She's in that crust for you. Um, I, Yeah, there was so much going on during this episode, but it felt... It felt like a little bit of a return to form in Salt Lake. It really did. I loved it. I think this whole season for me has felt pretty good. I mean, there's been a couple lull moments, but like as Housewives seasons go, it's been pretty nonstop. I think this is a season I'll be able to easily slip back into whenever I'm in a bad mood and need to cheer myself up. Do you yourself have like a superstar of like the person that you're like, wow, this is like you're doing everything exactly right. And like maybe maybe you're a terrible person, but I love you. Or like maybe I will argue that you're not a terrible person after all. Like, is there someone who's just kind of like hitting it out of the park for you or like most your MVP? There are a couple housewives that I think are um, that I think are just so talented and so mm. um at being on tv and so charismatic and so um i think they're doing great but i honestly believe that it's working as a symphony like i really believe we need all the elements yes. at the moment people i've seen um post that they're like they're like oh i'm so happy mary's gone she just sits there like a lump and i'm like no 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 we do need someone to play yeah. the symbol or whatever she's doing and we'll find a replacement i'm sure but it, what we're having right now is it, it all blends together really well um, but I have to say, I, there is someone I am riding for whether or not she's right, um, which is, uh, Meredith Marks. I am <gasps> going to just defend her until the end of time. I've decided whether or not she's right. I'm going to say, you know, maybe she's wrong, but I agree with her and she should be allowed to do whatever she wants. <laughs> okay. Let's get into this because okay. my pick would have been a hundred percent. Lisa Barlow. Well, a hundred percent. I knew you were going to say it. Who like has points being made and I, I think there is something to be said for the fact that nobody is standing with her and yet Meredith had a huge issue with the idea that Lisa wasn't calling out Jen and Lisa's like okay but now your new good friend Mary is kind of being a piece of shit with me and you're just sitting there I mean like how do you defend how do you genuinely genuinely this is the place to come for genuinely this stuff <laughs> how do you defend meredith in that moment like explain to me genuinely say it eight more times how how what's your thinking around meredith's sort of quasi selective silence of like saying i'm not going to talk about it. i'm not going to hold her accountable at a filmed event i'll tell her something that maybe you will or will never know about on the side i think it is notable that jen says she wants to be friends with Meredith whether or not like she would actually follow through with that she does express the want um and Mary does not and I I, I understand that element of it that Mary's just like mm -hmm. openly mean but I also think you have to look at this as like Jen and or Jen um Meredith and Lisa have been friends for a while and they seem to get each other on a certain level and I think it seems to me like Meredith's point is like Mary's a ridiculous person obviously I'm not you know, I, I, she's clearly part of the cast and we're going to associate with her. But obviously, I, I, I think she's um, 
I don't I don't believe she thinks that Mary is actually like a real quote unquote threat to people's families or to saying something that's like deeply hurtful or whatever. She's mm. just like dangerous to her congregation and like clearly that's something that Meredith is looking the other way on at the moment. But mm-hmm. it, it does feel like she's like, what is Mary gonna really do to you? Um uh it feels like that's what she's saying to Lisa. Whereas Jen Jen will like push you off a cliff. <laughs> Jen Shaw is she lets the spirit move her and she allows she allows the housewife to flow. Um and I I think that that to Meredith seems way more dangerous and it seems like a much bigger betrayal and I think she's just really not over Lisa but asking her to stay when she clearly was wanting to leave. I don't think she's over Lisa, um, you know, trying to push Jen, uh, just apologizing to Jen at the beginning of the season. I think she's very aware of the fact that um, Lisa did a very messy thing with Mary. Like, I, I, as much mm-hmm. as it's, I'm glad that we brought up her church, and I think it's kind of insane that we are ever not talking about either her church or Jen's crimes. Like I, I do not understand how we're all just like, let's all have lunch (laughs) to our nails. I'm like, what are we talking about? Um, I think Meredith is the only person making sense when it comes to things like, um, did Jen pay for this stuff or, and, and, and then, then there was a whole thing made out of, um, Meredith being like taking the necklace. But to me, it seemed very like she was apprehensive about it, but wanted to be polite in the moment and then was going to like deal with it or whatever. Um, I think yeah. that that's a normal point to bring up to be like, I don't know who paid for this. I, you know, I, your whole life is in flux right now and I can't pretend like it's not happening. Um, that all makes sense to me. Whereas with Lisa, it's like, <sighs> she sits down and does the math of what is technically correct. But to me, it's like, yes, Lisa has not admitted that she wanted to expose Mary, but it's pretty obvious that that's what she was trying to do. And like Mm -hmm. Lisa's pot stirring and attempts at being LVP or like master manipulator chess player are so transparent and the audience finds it charming and excuses it. But I don't think if I were in that situation, I would find it charming and excuse it the way that everyone else seems to be doing I think I would be on Meredith's side where I'd be like what are you up to like what's your whole deal because my son was actually upset and now it's a grudge obviously I think Meredith is taking it (laughs) internalized it as a grudge for the season but I understand wanting your pound of flesh and being like if I let this go I will be walked all over for the rest of my career as a housewife and like I, I don't know I understand if I was in that situation getting into that mind space do I think that Meredith is being pleasant or that I think she's being the most constructive version of herself absolutely not I think at moments she has seemed like she was willing to be um friendly and constructive and break down her walls and try to like bring all this shit back together but unfortunately the a lot other ladies don't seem prepared for her to do that and so she just snaps right back into shape um, and I feel like I've seen that pattern happen a few times. Where, and then the rage takes over. Um, mm. And, you know, I don't know what's on the other end of the rage. But I know that when I've been in emotional situations, mm-hmm. especially like it, uh, there's a lot of stuff in my life that's in flux. I have a very short fuse for patience. Um, mm-hmm. And so I don't know. I just feel like I understand Meredith to a certain degree. And I don't know if it's like I don't know if she's 100 percent morally correct in everything she does. And I, I per, per, personally can't imagine hanging out with Mary but I I like her and I understand I think it makes emotional sense to me whereas with Lisa a lot of the stuff I think she's very great at being on television and I think Mm -hmm. she adds to the plot massively she's very watchable but uh, emotionally it doesn't always add up to me what she does and why she does it and I don't sometimes I'm just like why are you bringing this up or like 
why did you resolve that only to unresolve it? Like, why did you say that this was fine only to then turn around and decide it isn't? And it doesn't seem like it seems like Meredith gets called out at every thing that maybe um, logistically doesn't make sense for her choices, but emotionally seems to make sense to me. It seems like the opposite is true of Lisa, where everyone is like, emotionally, this um, none of this makes any sense. But logistically, she's got her lies straight. And that, like, I don't know. That bothers me. I just think, like, she's coming off as, like, someone that wants to control every aspect of the scenario. Whereas Meredith is just trying to come off as someone that you can't walk all over. And I, I have to respect the latter more than the former. I mean, man, a lot of excellent points being made. The Lisa, what does annoy me about Lisa is like, I think people, and this may have been said before, including here, but people would respect her more if she was like, yes, I did do this. And I wonder yes. how much of the bringing up camera and stuff, she feels like she cannot explicitly say I did this on camera because it is the entirety of the fourth wall. Like there are elements here where we want her to say something that she maybe is not like literally able to say because of the scope of work being defined in such a through such a particular lens they may not want to go that route but don't you think if she was like twice as clever as she is she could say I'm friends with him and he wanted to come to the party and I thought well Mary's deeds will come out when they come out and that's her problem I'm not going to tell my friend not to come to a party like that's how you play it and to me you're too clever by half if you're willing to do what the producers say but you can't think on your feet or tell the producers to give you a reason you know what I mean and that bothers me more oh a hundred percent and it's also the idea that Lisa doesn't want to get in trouble but she wants to create conflict like she wants to make trouble but she doesn't want to be pinned for it and you have to be comfortable being pinned for a little otherwise when it gets to this point of like her sitting at a table and feeling like all you know of the blame is being shifted her way how much of that is because of residual blame that she had a right to bear when it came to the camera and stuff like how much of this is like the shifting of alliance even in how she's willing to take accountability for her own strategy like that remains a little bit tbd but it is also to me a little bit interesting that meredith is going so hard with the gen stuff which she has every right to like that is a valid question to me of like who is paying for this dinner, even if I know production is and Jen says she's hosting it. But much like these trips, these women say they're like the host of the things, but production pays for it. Like how much of this how much of this narrative arc for the sake of story am I willing to go along with when I know there's like a very real legal threat looming in the actual reality, which this franchise, this cast is dipping in and out of. So like from that perspective of like, is Jen really paying for this dinner? Oh, we're pretending the husbands were, and maybe the husbands, I don't know, but like we're pretending that the husband said, okay, no problem. The necklace thing, I think you covered in the sense that she did seem uncomfortable. And I think that the question is, did you actually keep it after all? Like, there we go. But with the Mary stuff, it's like, okay, well, we're playing a legal question because of Jen, because there were actually charges fired, filed rather. With Mary, though, it's a, in both cases, there's morality attached. With Jen, there's also genuine, specific legal questions. Mary, there are questions of morality of were our laws being broken here, you know, like which remain unanswered. But she doesn't seem willing to go anywhere near 
the morality of it, nor does the rest of the cast. They keep going back to Mary's church because they say that she's not a woman of God because she's mean to them. <laughs> no one but Lisa is being like, the woman of God arc is concerning to me because of the allegations made. Like, there's a real... There's an odd strategic use use of morality right now that's, like, very strange. They're applying a great level of morality to questions about whether or not Lisa lied about her father's memorial, which was, to me, extremely cringe when um, Whitney wouldn't let that go. But it's like the morality lens that they're applying is for all of the stupidest stuff. Is that because they felt like there would be less it would be easiest to get away with like I'm very they're not talking about the morality of Jen's charges they're talking about the morality of were we good enough friends to you to support you when you were indicted by a federal court like what what are we doing it's really wild to me and I do think as uh, uh, I don't I don't want to kick them in in their soft spots but I do think that what I am seeing from Whitney and Heather tracks with their history of being in a cult very well they are very oh, really they are very easy to talk back into your good graces they both seem very easy to get obsessed with conspiracies or detail nitpicking or just a, a moral issue that doesn't seem to be the biggest moral issue in the room there also seems to be a lot of like um of a a they're standing on a lot of ceremony when it comes to manners. I don't know. To me, it just seems like I, it, I, to me, it reads that Heather and Whitney have a particular set of skills. Liam Neeson style, <laughs> but Love for it. following bad people into bad situations and doing bad ideas and executing them and convincing themselves and the people around them that they're just saying what they need to say. And like, they're just, you know, expressing their opinion, but I don't think a mainstream person who has had conventional religious experiences is able to swallow down Jen Shaw's bullshit so easily and turn it on someone else. And like, it, it, it just seems like they've, they've taken the witch hunt energy that I would apply to someone who is doing um, some unforgivable crimes and they've turned it on Meredith for not being in a sprinter van when they <laughs> thought that she would be. So interesting. I mean, like, are you following? You look so confused by my. No, I am. It's like to me, I don't know. It, it might be because of like the up upbringing that I had in a progressive Jewish community that I think it's more cultural based than specifically religious. But I have heard from people. I have a super long form satchel that I've been meaning to deep dive on Patreon, which guys I'll do this week from an AG who was really connecting the dots with like the idea of a, a of a bait and switch and the idea of manipulation and how that can develop and how it can help explain the environment that many of these women uh, are no longer connected to through the culture that they were raised in or married into or whatever that may explain a level of almost like obedience in certain narratives that and, don't and make like a sense. pack mentality like a like an in-group, mm. out-group defining yourself based on who is observing the rules and is part of the community and who is has 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 broken the rules and and it, it doesn't respect the community consensus. And I feel like it's something that I've seen with Catholic people, which is like the love the sinner hate the sin means that you let things go because you're like, it's so horrible that you did that, but I love you so much. And it's like, no, I, I uh, maybe. It, it's a way to justify things that aren't really sinful, but you're told are bad 
and to justify letting those people in your life anyway because you know they didn't really do anything wrong like a la someone's gay and you're like all right well i don't like that you're gay but we can still be friends and it's a way to like resolve Mm -hmm. that issue without having to confront the fact that being gay is not a problem um and i think that it also lends itself though unfortunately there's a loophole in there which is that if you hate the sin but you love the sinner you could be spending a lot of time hanging out with ted bundy because you're like i hate the things you do but god you're so charming (laughs) And I, to me, I would rather be away from all the Ted Bundys and with someone very unpleasant who I know isn't going to, like, stab or, like, uh, assault me. Um, and I don't know. I, to me, I it just reeks of uh, – yeah, it might not be their religion. It might be their culture. But it just reeks of their background. Um, and I, I – I don't want to paint everyone with the same brush, but that's the impression that I get is that like that emotional pattern is being repeated here. Um, And I don't think that someone like Meredith or really like maybe Lisa now, but like from a perspective of having been raised in a specific way, I don't know that they totally are able to access that mindset. And it's what puts Whitney and Heather, other than the fact that they're quote unquote cousins, it's what puts them in a little bag together where they're never at each other's throats or very rarely at each other's throats because they have a tool set to um, smooth those things over because of the in-group out-group mentality. And it's better to just smooth it over with the in-group because you can work it out internally um, as long as you have a common enemy. Um, And I don't think that Meredith was inevitably going to be that enemy, but... She certainly seems to have stepped into the slot. And so they consider Jen in the in-group then. Yeah, totally. I think Heather has considered Jen like a sister because she looked up to her. She was her queen bee. Like she looked very cool and very fun, very carefree. She had a lot of the things that Heather doesn't have, which is like a comfortability switching between her religious perspective with her husband and what she really wants to do. And like she she is aspirational in a million ways. And I think that that's very true of Jen, regardless of whether or not you think she's a good person or you would want to hang out with her. She's clearly an aspirational figure. I think Heather looks at that and she's like, I want to be like that. I admire that. Mm-hmm. And she's internalized it to being like, now we're sisters, we're best friends, we're so close. And to her, the worst thing in the world would be turning on someone that you said that you were go- never going to. But the truth is, the worst thing in the world is kind of what Jen did. <laughs> and it's okay to not want someone that you found out is so toxic and is different than you imagined them to be in your life. But I don't think Heather's at a point where she understands that. Um, which doesn't make her a bad person. It just, I feel like I'm understanding the cause and effect. And I, she's the, one of the people that I would say like pause and reflect on this because I think you'll come to a more mature decision. Um, Mm. but you know, it's housewives. So we're definitely not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) But it is such an interesting perspective. I mean, I have to say like, again, for the 30th time, like grew up in the smallest state in the country, shout out Rhode Island, but like in a small state, in a small environment, in the sense of like the temple that I was raised in, I and while we did have a year of study in Sunday school of exploring other religions, I'm not going to say that I know enough about Catholicism or the Church of Latter-day Saints um, or, you know, Christianity as a whole in order to like make determinations even in my opinion because it just really truly I haven't had that experience I haven't had the experience of growing up in a church or growing up in an environment where um the even the idea of sin is not something that is like the idea of sin the original sin like that is not in any way a part of the like vocabulary right vocabulary or understanding like the idea of guilt 
you know, BCC all Jewish mothers everywhere like that. There is a language there, but it's not necessarily at the heart of a religious structure, according to the specific environment I was raised in. Obviously, there are uh, forms of Judaism that are like in a different atmosphere and environment altogether. But the one that I was in was like just a, a total different vibe. So from the perspective of like religion, that's where I get a little cagey because I don't want to come across as being knowledgeable in that way. I I truly am not. But I can go off of what we've heard from these women and from their experiences because religion is, in fact, a huge part of Salt Lake City, probably more than in any other franchise or current existing franchise structure. And because the idea of leaving religion, leaving community, leaving an environment and being alienated as a part is such a huge, important part of Salt Lake City, more so to me than any other franchise or structure. Like, um, and that's where it's interesting to me because they do seem very intent. And by they, I mean uh, Heather and Whitney in kind of like othering experiences or othering other people in the cast doing and saying things that to me are somewhat ludicrous like the idea of questioning whether someone's memorial for their dead parent I can't I can't ever ever happened I that is that is like actually insane to me and it's also so crafty for them to say it was something that Lisa said (laughs) (laughs) Which is, that's to me where it's like, this is so duplicitous. And I love, it's not, I'm not like being like, they can go fuck themselves. Because I enjoy both of, both Heather and Whitney on the show. It's just like. You generally get a, everyone's been talking about it or it came up. Like vagary of like, let's not talk about who brought it up. Well, let's just say it's been brought up. They're very specific. They're like, it's Lisa. always (laughs) very specific. They're like. So about this thing that Lisa said, what? I just want I to know. circle back to that. <laughs> what a bitch, huh? Anyway, could you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> and then they do that. Like Heather does this thing of like, at the just the the time in which I guess it sort of means the least because it's kind of coming from her. But the idea of like Lisa's trying. Like I know I've spent many many weeks possibly months to talk about what a piece of shit she is she is trying it's like she's finding a common ground but at the time when it there are both the highest and lowest stakes it sort of makes me question her saying that even though I I kind of want her and Lisa to get along like I like to see it but I also question the reasoning behind it maybe I don't know it's 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 kind of a wild process to watch just because I I really truly can't get over the bringing back whether or not this memorial happened which is just so wildly insensitive understanding that there are so many greater stakes happening that these women are refused refused to see like they're refusing the conversation around the crazy ass shit that's you know got Jen all caught up like and they're talking about whether or not a memorial for her dead parent happened. Like, that's insane to me. It's so awful. What gets me is that it's like, number one, even if she did fully lie, fully invented a memorial for this, right. and it, 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 who gives a shit and who are you to bring it up? Because 
first off, I, I don't think that she did. I think more likely she had a memorial that weekend. She was still emotional, tired, right. recovering. Right. And With she family. Said, yes. And she said, I'm going to see my family off. And then have my own time alone to reflect on everything that I've just been through, get into a Zen place, and then do my job with these women. And I, you know, if it means I have to miss the sprinter van, it means I'm shooting all weekend. I'm, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I'm sure that they'll, it's not as if any conversations were going to happen in the sprinter van that couldn't and wouldn't continue for the rest of the weekend. Mm -hmm. And the idea that they feel the need to out this on television as if it is some grand lie or some giant conspiracy right. and that is indicative of other behaviors and that um, it's something that no one's ever done. I'm sorry. There are times, yes, when you don't necessarily lie, but you just word things in a way that is true, but just easier to understand. So like, say, you know, I'm with my parents all weekend and I'm exhausted. It's say Sunday night and I've been with them since Friday morning and I'm so tired. And someone's like, hey, can you hop on quickly for a meeting? And I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm with my parents. Even if I'm home or on my way home from being with my parents, this weekend was about my parents and I just need some space to deal with the fact that I spent several days with them and I have some emotional stuff to deal through that isn't like going to lend itself to work. And it's easier than me explaining all of that. It's just easier. So, I, but like, I don't think anyone was under any impression that Meredith wasn't making that choice. Like she showed up to the weekend before anyone else because she really clearly just wanted to travel on her own because of emotional reasons. Her dad died. That's not something she's making up. That is a real added stressor to this situation. And even if she was fully lying through her teeth in an improbable caricature of evil, her dad just died. It just seems so weird to keep bringing up. And not only is it weird to bring up, it is weird to continuously bring up. It is weird for multiple different people at very inopportune times, like when their camera's down, to bring up. It just, it, it seems like they're trying to set her up to come off as crazy and more emotional and more erratic than she is. And I'm not sure why. What does this prove? Like, what at the end of the day is this in service of? Is it that you want her to fall in line and she's not doing that? Because I can tell you, Meredith Marks is not going to fall in line with anyone ever. So that's a goose chase. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible memorable experience. 
Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I mean, I think that they're trying to say that she's not a good friend, which does. She is said she herself has said like she's not going to be the support system for Jen. But they're yeah. also trying to look for someone who's lying instead of looking at the person the federal government has accused of not keeping everything on the up and up. So that's where it's yeah, wild. Right. And your point is entirely right about the idea and atmosphere of mourning and grief. Like they're go they're using grief as if it's based on a Google Cal. If you did not have your memorial service, which I think everyone's 
assuming did happen just maybe not during this time or maybe they're saying it didn't happen at all yeah I think that they're also saying it didn't happen at all to say that it's if it doesn't happen according to the Google Cal if it didn't happen on Tuesday and it happened on Monday but you are still in an atmosphere of grief that no longer matters because if this thing did not happen like when they went to the the um clip of Lisa saying on the sprinter van I'm so sorry to call you at this time as if to say that if the memorial didn't happen during that time it 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 is in fact not the truth is wild to me because she had every right to call her and say um, I'm so sorry this isn't a good time because it's not a good time. You know this woman <laughs> is in mourning. Yeah. So like the idea that she's lying about the mourning process when you're not asking your friend if she's lying about the charges levied against her, it, it is it is an odd take. And then we're all pretending that the thing to apologize for is not being a good enough friend to Jen. Jen deserves to have friends, but those friends should be acting in service of the idea that truth should matter in in all cases, not just over your friend who's mourning the death of her father. When You should be asking questions of this woman who might be at the very top of a multi-million dollar fraud. Like it's just, it is a, it is a weird, it is a weird strategy that I'm also in a weird way, very supportive of, not, not supportive of, but like, I, I mean, it's, in, it's intriguing to me because it's so fucked up. It, it's, it's intriguing to me because it's so complicated. And I think what you said about the cultural stuff, like, and the, uh, the, the ways that they had regimented lives and, and the idea of leadership positions and all of these other things and making excuses for problematic behavior is, is, that is an example that I think a lot of people can find examples from, regardless of whether or not they were a member of that church or a, a participant in that community. I think it's it. It's it a does type of over. psychology that. Yeah, it's a type of psychology. It doesn't. And guys, when we're talking about this, it's not the specific example has to do with uh, the stories that we have heard from Meredith and Whitney's. Meredith, not from, sorry, Heather. from um, Heather. And yeah, I mean, I think that this but... shows up in lots of different communities. And right. that's why I brought up Catholicism, because I grew up with it. And it, 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 there's a very similar right. setup. Um, but I also think, you know, yes, Jen is 100% entitled to, um, she's entitled to, she, she has not been proven guilty in some court that has said that she's supposed to do this or that or the other mm -hmm. thing. She should have people around her who care about her and support her. I do not believe that anyone, everyone is, um, I do not believe that anyone is irredeemable outside of someone who's proven themselves to be like a true sociopath. And even then, I mm -hmm. don't think you could have – you need to be excommunicated from society and shunned or whatever. I, I don't think that – I don't believe that. But I also don't think that Meredith establishing clear boundaries and saying that she can't be that person for her is a betrayal of the fact that – like. Jen is not entitled to Meredith's friendship or kindness or discretion. Boom. And, Boom. And at the end of the day, if Meredith needs to establish clear boundaries, she's not being cruel. She's saying, I mean, I, was she a little overzealous in saying, I don't want to be invited to any event that Jen is at? Yes. I think that that was an, an initial reaction that was outsized and clearly wasn't going to last. However, she does not need to support her. She does not need to help her come up with her story straight. She does not need to be there for her to like be funny with so that it makes her more likable. That's like not something that's required of her as a job or as a friend. And if anything, I, Jen should be on her hands and knees. Like I'm not a terrible person. Uh, you know, you're not understanding the situation and blah, 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 like explaining herself. Um, 
And if she were doing that, I would think it would be easier for me to say, okay, well, give her a chance, Meredith. Like, let her, she's, she's, you know, she does deserve, you've been friends. She does deserve to try to explain herself or she does deserve to try to have her voice heard in all of this. And if you want to reject her after that, that that's your prerogative. But that isn't happening. Like, Mm. Jen is fully, like, laughing at the idea that any of this could be real or that any of it's accurate. And, like, I don't think anyone buys that. I don't think Heather buys that. Like, nobody's – I don't think Coach Shaw is buying that she's 100% innocent and has never done anything wrong, like, to be accountable for. I think Heather is buying that Jen is the victim of her alleged own crime. She is – she does – talk about things through the lens of like you are the victim here we should be there to support you you're going through this terrible thing which admittedly what she's going through is terrible no one's taking away from the harm and damage and trauma that's happened to her family specifically to her children potentially you could argue the potential harm this could that could happen uh to coach Shaw's career I mean it's all horrible it's all horrible but it's also like okay but you know, like she's maybe guilty. So like how much how much of a victim can you be if you're the perpetrator of a crime that harmed actual victims? And the thing is, you your heart can go out and you can have empathy and stuff. But it's just weird to me to be making these moral judgments and like telling people what they should and shouldn't be doing. It's just like an odd right. take place to take it that quickly, because like I think everyone's going to have to process this in their own time, you know? Yeah, and I do want to shift gears a little bit because speaking about processing, so I know that you know this and the AGs know this. I don't watch episodes typically live almost almost never. I do I have my next day process. I wake up in the morning, I make my cinnamon spice tea with three different kinds of steamed oat and <laughs> almond milk because I'm very chill and relaxed. And I like settle in and I know that if I go on Instagram the night before the place my, my safe space, social media, then I know that I'm gonna maybe see a, a a clip without looking for it or an image or something. Yeah. Um and I take that risk like that I'm not gonna be fully surprised because I'm not watching it as it plays out. Now, that being said, do is there a part of me that wishes I had seen the full clip of Lisa without immediate memes I tried not to see? Yes, there is an element of that there, <laughs> of her throwing her mic pack after. Amazing. Amazing. Amazing television. But also, we got a preview of it because someone had the transcript of her whole thing and was like, you know, allegedly this is what was said. So we knew people who had seen that, you know, the rece- receipt being spilled and, and spread previous to the actual episode airing had an idea that this was something that was allegedly said. However, the way I took that was it was said but not used. I did not realize that this whole monologue that was being shared online would, in fact, be used in full. I thought it was going to be one of those things of like, oh, they lost their receipts on the cutting room floor. But like, this is what allegedly happened. And Ryan Houlihan, we're going to do some AG theater because <laughs> thanks to my friend Milk and Don't Call Me Honey, who put out this beautiful, a beautiful illustrated sketch that I may or may not buy for my office. Uh, we have a, a monologue presented in full. And this is what... <laughs> Lisa Barlow said, (laughs) Meredith can go fuck herself. I'm done with her because I'm not a fucking whore and I don't cheat on my husband. Her and her dumb fucking family that poses. Why don't you own a house? Wait, you can't because your husband changes jobs every five minutes. Fake Meredith is a piece of shit. I have your back and I'm offended by that. Fuck you. 
That fucking piece of shit garbage whore. I fucking hate her. She's a whore. She's fucked half of New York. She can go fuck herself. Here, you can have your mic back. One of the most... Like, even reading that out loud for the very... I hadn't seen that. Like, the my, Milk and Joe Call Me Honey posted this newest item for sale on their Etsy, like, right before we recorded. So I was like, ooh, let me just screenshot that to read. But um, I, I hadn't actually acknowledged the depth of what Lisa said until this moment. Like, there is actually a rhythm here. Like... Yeah. It is almost a haiku. It, it is, is almost jazz. A, a, a you're a whore haiku. <laughs> it, is, it is jazz. Like Dizzy's Jazz Club at Lincoln Center should take this on for their next Thursday night show. Like I, I quote unquote, I have your back and I'm offended by that. Fuck you. That fucking piece of shit. Garbage whore. Her family that poses. Her family that poses. What a beautiful phrase. To go from garbage whore, I fucking hate her. She's a whore. <laughs> She's fucked half of New York. And then the penultimate. She can go fuck herself. Like, <laughs> honestly, I think that's an opera. Like, I didn't go to opera school, but I'm pretty sure that I could hear a baritone doing that you know, like next season or maybe in 2029. I think that not since Leanne, I'm a racist lock yeah. and have we had a monologue as spectacular. Yes. I, mm-hmm. you know, listen, I'm no Lady Gaga, but I am going to study this for over a year <laughs> to nail the accent. I'm going to go to Stella Adler and study Stanislavski or she says, I, this is a monologue for the ages. It is beautiful. Um, I, This is why, you know, Lisa, great top tier housewife. Do I agree with everything she does? No, but please keep her on my television for 1,000 I mean, years. It, does she, is she surface level? Yes. Like, but I. But who isn't? Iconic, who isn't? World. That is the role that she wants to play, probably in her life, you know, in in other in her friendships, maybe a little. Doesn't mean she doesn't get below the surface, but like there is a. a she sort loves of fine su- dining and she loves Taco Bell. Right, like she's just like <laughs> baby gorgeous. Like there baby is something about all. her, but just and I don't know why. Like we can talk about slut shaming. We can do whatever. This is like beautiful music to me. I I can't explain it. I can't explain why Bethany being so horrible to Lou got me a certain way, but this does not. It's like I'm charmed by it. I don't know how she literally talked. And it's all through the lens of Meredith fucking around. And then Meredith went on Watch What Happens, which I haven't seen in full, but I saw a clip. Andy tells us, which I think we knew, but tells us in a way that I was like, oh my God, shaken. Meredith had not seen this clip until the night before the <gasps> reunion. So Meredith walked <laughs> literally. These honestly, producers have tortured her this season. <laughs> poor, poor, poor Meredith, but also an iconic choice I fully support. <laughs> To make their and everyone else, by the way, like even fuck Meredith from that perspective. 
Heather saw for the first time. Wait, they don't even get a chance to like text chain strat because obviously some of these women are very into production strategy. Did not get the chance to see all of this. And poor fucking Lisa, too, by the way. I know. Who said this apparently intentionally uh, into the mic. But, you know, when you rage monologue, you don't remember this, this shit that you say. I I think people have very strange ideas about lav mics. It's like this little gadget that sits on you that like it, it has a bunch of buttons and stuff. And sometimes you think you turned it off. And even as someone who works sound equipment, you don't always have it turned off. And if a producer had a lav on or any other kind of mic with them, it would pick up what she was saying just as much. And like I, I to me, it didn't seem it seemed like she was yelling and whatever and, and, and understood what she was doing was reckless. But I didn't think she knew she was creating a hot mic moment or whatever. I mean, Meredith said on social without a ton of additional information that I found slightly confusing that a ton of additional clarity rather that she didn't believe it was a hot mic moment like Meredith is in from what I understood from what I inferred because she didn't give a lot of explanation which I'm sure we'll see in the reunion I think that Meredith didn't think it was a, a true hot mic moment because Meredith truly thought Lisa was saying it so that it was recorded and picked up oh. and I don't I don't disagree with that, but what I do think is Lisa thought it would get put, picked up and wanted to, you know, make her friend feel bad, but never thought it would be used. I don't think that Lisa, I don't know that Lisa was thinking when you're angry at someone and you want to express that anger and you're in a fucking bathroom with a producer, I don't know that Lisa, I think Lisa, I don't think that Lisa, I think that maybe Lisa was thinking it, it was she was saying it into a mic, but she was saying like this person can go fuck themselves, which I'm sure has happened before. We've seen it on other franchises. We never got a real sense of what happened with Heather Dubrow in her closet. We didn't get a huge sense of what happened with Nene in her closet. We didn't get anything really of Erica Jane locking herself in the bathroom on the trip to Tahoe and refusing to come out until she had some kind of fucking mutual agreement with production about how things were going to get discussed when she was pissed off. Like, I think that Lisa kind of thought in the moment she's clearing this out. She's really pissed at her friend but I don't know that she thought it was going to be used in the edit. Like yeah. Meredith would know more about that than I that would. And I don't even mean that as a joke. Like, but also it is interesting to me that in the couple clips I saw from watch what happens and I absolutely need to watch that in full and also Bridget ever who is the other guest who I'm obsessed with. But um, on that watch what happens there was a lot of kind of tension around this and around the question of like, listen, hate to ask it, but like, have you been fucking a lot of people? And Meredith literally was like, I have slept with less than 10. The fact that Meredith felt like she had to share her, her number sexual history is insane to me. But I also cannot imagine these two people who one of whom you sort of, you know, it's Jen. So like, yeah, sure. She's going to try to make you feel bad. But like your good friend, Lisa, of over a decade saying you what 35 times in the course of that 20 second spiel that you have slept with a lot of people and maybe cheated on them even though we know she and Seth were like separated so I don't understand what's going on that is that is a deep cut that is a really yeah. deep cut and the idea that when you don't when you break up a friendship here's my question to you when you break up a friendship and you have a big fucking messy fucking friendship breakup, not even including, and then there's production, and then there's, like, the idea of monetizing secrets and secrets revealed. But, like, should you still keep confidence 
even if you are no longer friends with a former BFF? That's my question to you. I think you need to make a judgment on – I think you have to do it on a secret-by-secret basis, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. because I do think there are friends whose secrets I keep that I do not believe – I should have to keep them, but I'm doing it as a kindness and I don't believe mm-hmm. that whatever is being kept secret needs to be kept secret or or I don't want it to be kept secret, but I'm doing it because I'm like, I care about this person and I understand they might be wrong in this one respect, but I support them and I love them and it's their choice to make. However, <laughs> if someone was to really wrong me, I'm not saying I would use it vindictively, but there are certain things I would feel no longer obligated to protect them from, um, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't use a lot of the stuff that I saw used um maliciously especially I think the thing that really cut me the most is like you can call someone a big slut and a whore I understand that those are like common things people's brains go to and it doesn't immediately seem um it doesn't immediately seem like a hundred percent verisimilitude definitely true she's fucked every single person in New York nobody believes that but the stuff about her husband's job it's like to me that's like mm-hmm. hitting below the belt and it also has nothing to do with her and you don't know what's going on with someone's work situation and you don't know what's going on with someone's emotional situation and how those things interact or like especially we're living in an economy that's like post pandemic post like sorry listeners post Trump or whatever like we don't need to get into the politics of it all we're living in a very different economic landscape than we were before and it just seems like such a shitty thing to bring up and throw in someone's face um based on interpersonal drama that has nothing to do with it um so to me i'm like i wouldn't necessarily have done that but i also understand the impulse of like listen if someone really wronged me and i thought they were doing something immoral and keeping it a secret like for example um on uh on drag race holland there was a contestant who had snuck a cell phone in so she could call her mother or whatever and keep in touch with family and you're not supposed to have cell phones because you could just Google ideas or have someone tell yeah. you how to do things or, it, you know, the contest gets fucked up. Someone found out about it and was like, all right, I'll keep it your secret because you're just using it to talk to your mom. And I, you're like you know, 19 years old or whatever. I'm just going to mm. be cool about it. But then if you start fucking around and we're in a competition and you're cheating. Yeah, I'm going to be like, hey, guess what, guys? This <gasps> bitch has a cell phone. <laughs> but I don't think I would do that if it came to something that wasn't. I don't know. It, it, it To bring Seth into it just seems so unnecessary and poisonous mm-hmm. and long term and I get that Lisa's angry but like I don't know I also think Lisa has very high standards that she holds the world to because she has very high standards for herself in some respects not in every respect clearly like certainly she can appreciate fine dining but she's perfectly fine with Taco Bell for dinner every night um, but I think in my, many areas of her life she seems to have extremely high standards she wants her sons to be entrepreneurs before they graduate high school and like that's you know that's a crazy energy to bring to things and she probably thinks what Seth is doing is super immoral and dumb but you know it's his right to switch his job a thousand times or once or twice we don't really know the truth of that situation it's his job it's his right to do whatever as long as he can pay the bills it's nobody's business. And Meredith then qualified that or responded to that on Watch What Happens and was like, he has the kind of job where something, something business name that I like completely left my body and returned to it when she started talking about things <laughs> that um, make sense to me. But like he has the kind of job where he's like takeover company, something, something where like you he's an entrepreneur or whatever. It, it, the environment that he works in, you are supposed to leave your job. He's constantly maybe it's like helping companies win or making sure they it's lose. It's like, like being whatever a consultant or whatever. Similar. Right. Like, like he's constantly switching so it's like you're there's a lot here and if I was here's the most fucked up part of it if I was Meredith 
this is the difficulty. If I was Meredith, I would think, is this how she felt about me all along? Yes. Because it's a lot. There's a lot here. A lot of different examples. The family that poses thing like (gasps) broke me because like there's so much here. But like, okay, then there's apparently some aggression or jealousy over like the selfies of it all and maybe it's if we gonna get super deep like is she pissed that brooks was like a breakout star for people and her kids were not but her kids are much younger so what's the they don't seem very there? interested like, in being reality tv right stars. like is she upset that her family and it's the greatest the greatest thing you can have is a family that does not care about being on reality TV. Like that is, that is a gift, but like what, there are a lot of layers and levels here. And if I was Meredith, that would be the first question I'd ask. Brooks is selling fucking leisure suits and she's not selling a lot of fresh wolf. I think maybe that that's what it comes down to. Business, business is her love language. It's one of the reasons she's fucking working with her kids in the business. Like she said that at a certain point, like to spend time with them. This is the best way to spend time with them is to work together. That's the only reliable way to get mommy time in. (laughs) I mean, we've all got our love language and that might be Lisa's. And it's It's just so interesting I the the she's a whore fucked half. I'm gonna need to hear more about it. It's not, and I <laughs> I don't begrudge you. Fuck whomever. Like truly, mazel. Do it live your mazel. Live your best life. But the way she's saying it, as in cheating on my husband, she's explicitly saying like it's not, it's not during the time when she was separated. Which if I. That's so crazy. That's thing. So what gets happened? Me. Is it cheating? Because then there's a bunch of people who are were on social being like, it's not cheating. She's just using more the word cheating. But you know, everyone knew that. And it's like, no, I think she intentionally used the word cheating to insinuate that it's either still going on or like I. I also is she? Uh, mm, I don't know if she's intentionally <laughs> doing this, but I do okay. think that she is insinuating in some ways that. Or maybe it's just working in concert with Whitney's peccadillo. But it, it it's an, an insinuation that that weekend that she was supposed to be on the Sprinter bus with them, that she mm-hmm. was doing something nefarious that she lied about. Are they supposed to be intimating to us that she was, like, having an affair or cheating no. or something? No. I don't think so at all. Okay. I think the only – I didn't get that – and I obviously could be wrong. I think the intimation was just that she was avoiding being on the sprinter van because of FBI stuff that she knew was coming and or she just doesn't want to be involved and be stuck on a van with these people if she knows that conflict is going to arise. I don't yeah. think it was. I think the fucking half of New York um, is just more related to. I don't know. There's like a re- it's just so wild. And. Hey, you can have your mic back. I don't know. It's a lot. I mean. The tossing of the mic was really a cherry on top. It really made the whole it thing. It really was. And then Andy was like, I hate to do this to you, but like, let's rewatch it. And then you can respond. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I hate to do it two or two, but I'm so grateful you did because like. This is fucking nuts. The fact that they, she saw it the night before. Like, what can we, can, did they shoot her while they were doing it? Is there footage of her watching? Can we get that on a DVD? Like, it's just fucking nuts. 
it's fucking not. And also, if she fucked half of New York, where is the other half? And can they please slide into my DMs? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm in heat. Who has the time management? Honestly, I'm impressed. Honestly, I'm so impressed. I want to hear more about this. Like, if I were Lisa, I'd be trying to monetize this information. <laughs> I think she did. Turn it into did. a business. You can spend the. Oh, did. that's true. She did. She did. <laughs> she did. She did. I forgot we were at work again. <laughs> um, I do need you to also uh, give me a reading, but I'm saving that for the Andy Scrolls Patreon <gasps> because I wanna, I need, I need to hear a, a Ryan Houlihan monologue. I need to hear the Ryan Houlihan interpretation, special presentation, interpretation, and maybe we'll do it in unison. So, guys, there's gonna be a new Andy Scrolls Patreon exclusive um, AG theater with Ryan Houlihan that you can look to on the Andy Scrolls Patreon, Patreon.com/slash Andy Scrolls. Number one way to support the pod you get exclusive bonus episodes and also fun things like the uh, ability to record a patreon exclusive with me and also zoom kikis that's right the andy's girls patreon galentine galley i keep mispronouncing it and it's literally the joke <laughs> is, is that it's based on my, my name galley times day zoom is gonna be friday february 11th at 7 p.m eastern standard time sending out registration info this week best way to uh you know register to that is the only way which is uh joining the patreon and being at the og of the ag or people's people's couch levels also there's a new um hour-long bonus episode with the real bad fashions we talk about the salt lake city reunion fashion and so much more and speaking of fashion, I am so, so fucking excited about the new Andy Scrolls show art, which you may have noticed when you clicked on the episode. I launched it on Instagram today. Um, number one best way to, you know, see stuff is by following me on IG. Um, and I'm so excited about it. So thanks to Daniel Nolan for designing this new amazing art. We have some fabulous stuff coming down the pike um and i'm just incredibly excited about it and comment on the post with the new show art let me know your thoughts and feels do you love it or do you love it very much follow me on instagram at dame galley ryan Houlihan. tell the people how to support you follow you on social inputmag.com all of that and more before we pivot to the People's People's Patreon couch. Uh, yeah, check out InputMag.com. We have lots of interesting things every single day. Um, and uh, I have another podcast called Tomorrow, which I do with Joshua Topolsky. Um, and we discuss uh, technology and politics and culture and all different whatever comes to mind. Um, and then you can find me at Ryan Houlihan everywhere on social. Amazing. Guys, also, P.S. Ryan Hulan, I'm so close to 10K. It's, like, ridiculous. And all I want for Galentine's Day, that day I keep mispronouncing, which is a joke based on my last name, is to get to 10K by February 14th. I'm literally a couple hundred away. So, so guys, I'm going to need the listeners to take their husbands, boyfriends, girlfriends, wives, mm, mothers, mm. brothers, mm -hmm. sisters, fathers, mm -hmm. pets, phones. Pets. Any pets. any pet accounts, and I'm gonna need you to log in and just hit that follow button, smash it. And while you're there, Ryan it. at Ryan Holhan's just around the corner. Yeah, <laughs> just around the corner. <laughs> We're constantly talking to each other on the social and in our DMs and text threads, and also recording episodes for podcasts like this one. So, um, 
Guys, BOGO. Well, they're both free, but, you know, follow me, then fall right. And uh, listen to the bonus up. We're just about to record, guys. Hope you're all doing okay. Um, if you are also fucking half of New York Mazel Tov, and get your mic back, too, because we'll talk to you guys soon. Okay, guys. Chaotic ending. Bye-bye. Bye, baby gorgeous.